You know, when God forms us and shapes us, sometimes in the beginning we don't know what he's doing, but the end result is what God is after. Did you know that when God formed us, he formed us out of dirt, out of clay. He formed us in that kind of way. And not until God breathed the breath of life into this form that he was making did we become a living being. You know, the sculptor has to think of so many things. The sculptor has to think of the final result. The sculptor has to think of what shape he's going to carve out. The sculptor has to think about how much water to add, how much pressure to bring. The sculptor has to look at the details and and what's going to come about and every phase that he has to go through in shaping this clay. And of all the things that the sculptor has to think through, there is one thing that the sculptor is not even thinking about. You know what that is? The mess. The sculptor has, is not even thinking of the mess that is being made. The sculptor is not, as, as the sculptor is molding and shaping, not thinking about, oh, my goodness, there's, there's a, a mess around. There's, there's uh, shavings of clay pieces. There's, oh, that piece fell down. The, the, the sculptor is not concerned about the mess because the mess is inconsequential to the final result of whatever it is that's being formed. But here's what happens. When God is doing something in our lives, while he's focusing on who we are and who we're becoming, we're focusing on the mess that comes with life. We focus on the past mistakes. We focus on the things that went wrong rather than what God is doing that is going well. God wants to remind us that when he molds and shapes us, there's going to be changes that take place, and change is messy. Change is messy. Now, just think about the changes we've gone through in life just up, up until this point. There are things that we've gone through that it, has, it was messy. But when we turned our lives over to God, now he can do something with it. We're continuing in our series, The Adventures of God's Great Change. And as we talk about change is messy, you're going to be thinking about some, some things that may have gone wrong in life and, and maybe even some areas in life right now that aren't going well. Could I just encourage you to look at what God is doing and focus on who he is rather than the mess that surrounds us? That way we can see what what God is up to. Because if we're not looking at what God is doing, then we're only going to focus on the mess, and the mess has nothing to do with the final result of what God is doing. In your bulletin, there is a, a note sheet in there, and you can take that out. It'll help you to follow along. As we talk about change is messy. Change is not easy. For some people, they don't like change. They like being where they are. They're used to it. They're comfortable. Then you have other people who they they don't mind change. They're okay with change. They're okay when things are different. They're okay. And sometimes that's how they operate. They continuously change and change and change. When God wants to do something, however, and he wants to change us, there's going to be some messes that take place. But all the while that the sculptor is working, the mess doesn't deter him from the final result and the final look of the sculptor. Of the, of the sculpture. And whatever it is that the sculptor is making, he already has the final vision in place. See, the art piece is the sculptor's focus. The art piece, not the mess. It is the art piece. Yet for some reason, we focus more on our mistakes, our mess, the chaos, than we do the potential that God sees in us. 
The Bible tells us in Romans 9, 20 and 21, it says, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? Yeah, who are we to tell God what to do? It's kind of like even in your own home, there are certain dishes you use for certain people, and then there are certain dishes you use for other people. For my uh, grandchildren, we use plastic plates. It's, you know, just plastic. If it falls on the ground, it bounces. It no big deal. We don't give them ceramic plates. No, we give them plastic plates, plastic bowls. Why? Because they're not there yet where they can handle things well and they drop things. And so we use certain things for certain purposes, and, and God does the same thing. But who are we to say, oh, that person is more important or their life is better than mine? God says, no, 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 I'm doing something with your life. Last week we talked about not having a hardened heart. And the reason why God says don't have a hardened heart is because once we've become hardened and we've become like ceramic, now he can't mold us and shape us anymore. And he, he likens this, this final result of, of a ceramic piece to kind of like how they would make idols in those days. And even today, people will make idols and, and now they have a statue that they use as an idol. And how the Bible kind of references it to us is if, if we are clay and our hearts become hardened, we can actually become our own idol. Therefore, God says, don't, don't harden your hearts. Keep your hearts moldable and pliable. That he would create a clean heart in us. That he would create a heart that is longing after him. And so when he does certain changes, whatever mess comes with it, keep your eyes on the one who is not focused on the mess, but is focused on who we're becoming rather than where we've been. You know, when, whenever God makes changes, any great change in our life, the mess will come with it. And every single one of us can become who God intends us to be by learning how God works with the mess and thinks of the mess in our life. Here's the first thing that we can write down and, and understand that God can turn my mess into a miracle. He can turn my mess into a miracle. That's what happened in my marriage. When Heidi and I got married, I was 19 and she was 20. Now, we see, you know, we're later on in life. We're in, I'm in my 40s now. But when I look at, you know, people who get married and they're 19 and 20, I'm thinking, do you even know what you're doing? Like, you're so young. But then I think, wait a minute, I was 19. I was 19, and I had to press into the Lord for my marriage to become a miracle. From where it began to where it is today, there's a major difference. Why? Because God was able to turn what was messy in the beginning and make it into something that is great as a miracle today. Ask Heidi how messy I was in the beginning. I mean, I'm still messy, but not as bad. Like, I'll leave my clothes all over the place. I'll just leave my dishes all over the place. I wouldn't clean up after myself, leave my shoes all over. It just, it was, that's just the exterior. But the inside was even more messy. My language that I used to use, the way I would treat her, the things I would say, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a miracle at that point. It was messy. But God could take something as messy as my life and my marriage 
and then turn it around and, and bring about a miracle. God can do that. God can do that with any mess because God's mess and our mess are completely different. When we see a messy life, God sees potential for a miracle. That's why I love how Romans 8.28 encourages us and says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Yeah, it has to be His purpose, and we've got to be able to love God. This scripture only, it only pertains to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Because not all things work together for good for everyone. It's only for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. In other words, if you're, if you're following your own purposes and you only love self, all things aren't going to work together for good. But when you love God and you're called according to his purpose, then he's able to work all things together for good. Why? Because he's the sculptor. We're the clay. And as messy and hard-pressed life can be, he's saying, I'm doing something with it. And as messy as it looks, it's okay because mess is a part of it. God is molding us and shaping us, and he's bringing about something great. He sees the potential. And so as a sculptor, he knows the final result, and he's working toward that. We've got to be called to his purpose, not our own. I remember my, my son Jordan, when he was uh, living at home, he's in college now, but when he was at home, and Heidi would ask him to clean his room. And I would check up on him. I would say, hey, Jordan, did you clean your room? He said, yeah, yeah, I cleaned my room. And I would say this, is it your clean or mom's clean? <sighs> then you go back into the room and then clean it again. See, there's a difference with mom's clean and our clean. There's a big difference. And so it is with God. There is a difference with our mess and God's kind of mess. See, when God shapes a life and he begins to change a life, there's going to be mess. You're going to fight. You're going you're to try to, to, to rebel against God. You're going you're to disagree with God. You're, gonna, you're not going to like some moments. There are going to be times where you're going to be in church. God will speak something and it will just kind of cut to the heart. And, it, and, and your spouse will kind of nudge you, and you'll be like, well, why, why are you telling me that? It's for you. And you, you're going to feel that, but that's a, that's a little bit of a mess, but it's okay because God's doing something. It's okay. God's mess and our mess is completely different. He's able to work all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. It's going to be messy, but it's okay. God's mess is okay. And unless God does his part, the mess that we'll find ourselves in won't be the kind of mess that is able to work together for good. And unless God speaks into it, everything stays messy. We've got to let God speak into it. See, life is messy one way or another. It'll either be messy because God's not involved in our lives, or it'll be messy because God is doing something great with it. We, we just need to Trust that he's, he's doing something that we cannot see and trust that he's going to be able to take whatever mess we're in and bring about a miracle. Now, if I keep making decisions that keep putting myself in the mess, that's different. Now, I'm not trusting in God. I'm trusting in myself and I'm trying to make things work together for good for myself rather than saying, God, I surrender it all to you for your purpose and your goodness. I'm going to surrender myself as a husband, as a man, as a wife, as a woman, as a child of God, I'm going to surrender it to you. Now you work together everything together for good rather than us trying on our own strength and our own wisdom. 
We let God do that. He can turn our mess into a miracle. Here's the second thing we learn with God, that we can call out to God even in the mess. And this is, a, this, is a, this is something that God gives to us. You can call out to me, he says, from the mess. If you read the book of Jonah, Jonah called out to God while he was in the belly of the great big fish. Talk about mess. Talk about gross. You're in the belly of a fish. He calls out to God from the mess. God can hear us even when it's messy. When my oldest uh, son was a baby, he's 28 now, but when he was born, uh, Heidi and I were at her grandmother's house, and I was downstairs, and, and all of a sudden I hear Heidi calling to me, Honey, help! And so I came running up, and I came into the room, and there was a nuclear explosion that took place from this brand-new baby. And Heidi turned around, and I looked at her, and I thought, oh, my goodness. What in the world happened? She goes, can you help me, please? It just exploded, and now she's covered with mess. And so I was thinking, how am I going to do this? I said, why don't we go outside and shoot you down with the holes? What, what, what do you want to do? She goes, I need to go into the bath. Can you take care of this? And a oh, brand new father. Uh, now, Heidi and I were teenage parents, so I'm 16 years old by the time my son is born. A 16-year-old walks into this, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and we didn't have the, 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 the baby wipes that we, do ha- that we have today, you know, so conveniently right on the side that you pull out, and it's automatic. We had paper towels and napkins. That's what we had to use. So I'm using all these paper towels and wiping my son down. All the while he's playing, yeah, 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 and laughing. I'm like, dude, this is not funny. I mean, this is, this is bad. And so we cleaned him up, gave him a bath, and, and everything was done. And I thought, what, what would happen if when there's a big mess like that, that we're not able to call out for help? Now, I'm sure there are times when you're by yourself, and then certain things happen, and it's just you. But I tell you this, the harder it is to clean up the mess, the more we'll cry out to God. See, on certain messes, on small little things, we don't call out to God. You can't find the remote control for the TV. Not that big of a deal, although we throw a fit. Not that big of a deal. We don't call out to God, Lord God, please help me find the remote. Now, some of you, maybe you do because you're missing your show, but it's not that bad. But when life hits, when, when, we lose, when, when we're losing a loved one or someone's sick or you get that report or you, you can't find your child or whatever it is, boy, do we call out to God. When we need to pay the bills, when things aren't working out right, when the marriage is on the rocks, oh boy, do we call out to God. And God says, you can call out to me even from the mess and I will hear you. And God will do something about it. Even when we call out to God when it's dark and messy, God himself makes himself available. And you might be thinking, yeah, but my life is messy. I mean, it is messy. My house is messy. My car is messy. My, my room is messy. My hair is messy. Everything is messy. Can God still save me even when life's a mess? Absolutely. But this is, here's one thing we should never do when there's a mess. Run from God. So one thing we should never do. When life is messy, don't ever run from God. Even, even when, when, when it's, it's tough to deal with, do everything you can to run toward God in our marriages, uh, in ministry, 
run toward God even in our, our finances. Go to him for wisdom. Ask him. And the Bible says when you ask God for wisdom, he will give to all generously. For anyone who asks, he's not going to hold back. He's going to give us the wisdom necessary that is required for whatever mess we're in. Don't run from God. Sometimes we run from relationship to relationship, church to church, ministry to ministry. We run from person to person, and we, we seek everything else rather than God himself. And God is saying, hang on, I'm the one you want to call out to because I know how everything works. I'm the sculptor. I'm the potter. You're the clay. I know how everything is supposed to operate. I know everything about you. I know the wisdom required for the specific thing that you need, and I'm going to provide for you everything you need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's a promise from the Bible that when we call out to him, that will be taken care of by him. See, God, God has you where you are so that you would call out to him. He specifically placed us in, in different locations and, and even throughout history that we are born in our day and age today, that God has a specific plan and purpose for every single one of us. And he places us in, in various places around the world. And he does that so that we would call out to him in whatever mess that we might be in. Even if you're in a, 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 a place where it's chaotic, you may be at a work environment or in a work environment that it's, it's just dark and, and you as a believer, you, you feel like sometimes you don't fit there. But God is saying, no, 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 that's where you belong. Really? It, it's just so dark there. Yeah. Guess where you need light? Yeah, you don't put light in places that it's bright. No, you put light in the darkest places so that you can find your way. So you turn on the light so you can see, and that's what God does. He puts you in that environment so that the light is turned on so others can see him. That's why we're in those chaotic places so that God can bring light into that moment. The book of Acts helps us to remember how important and valuable we all are as believers. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28 tells us that the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their hands uh, the boundaries of their lands God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. See, God says, no, you, you're in this specific place so that you would call out to me. And it's not just to call out to me because you're in trouble. There's also times that you can call out to me because you need the wisdom required for whatever you're dealing with. Then it could be good things that you're dealing with. Even as believers, we could, be, we could be trying to reach out to someone and we're asking God for the wisdom necessary to reach out to another person who may be lost and, and lonely and, and have no idea what life is all about. And maybe their goal in life is to gain more, but we're learning from God that it's not about gaining more. It's about connecting with God himself who is able to infinitely give us more than we could possibly imagine or dream. And it's not about the tangible things that we get, 
but it's about the love that we give and it's the life that we give to God and the life that we live here on this earth. And God says, I'm going to place you in various locations so that you would call out to me, so that you would connect with me, that you would seek me and perhaps reach out to me and find me. He wants us to call out to him because he's shaping our life. There's a man whose life was in a mess, and it's found in the book of Acts. If you want to turn there in your Bible, Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read this portion of Scripture. And this one man was in a, a bit of a mess and ever since he was born. And talk about, talk about life being given to this man and, and how God starts shaping our life even in our mess. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth, so he couldn't walk from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day, every day, to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement and at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, now Peter finds an opportunity to give God glory. He says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, and ask that a murderer be released to you. Now this is, he's referring to when Jesus was just about to go to the cross. And Pilate said, who do you want me to release? Because they could release a prisoner on that time. Jesus of Nazareth or Barabbas, who was an insurrectionist, who, was, who uh, went against the government and was arrested. And so he was willing to let Jesus go, but the people wanted Barabbas, who was a murderer. And so Peter is referring to that moment. And then he says in verse 15, in your notes, he says this, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And then he continues in verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So now Peter is saying, here's, here's what happened. It was Jesus that healed this man. It wasn't us. It was Jesus that healed this man. From this man's mess of a life, 
God says, I can make it something great. And this man was begging all his life, and finally he calls out to God, and God brings that healing. But Peter said something very interesting. Now, he's talking to these people, the Israelites, and he's addressing what just took place. And, and he says, you killed the author of life. And Peter makes that statement. Some were offended, but some were probably wondering, what do you mean the author of life? Now, we know, we can look in hindsight, and, and we know that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave And now he gives us eternal life for those who believe in him. We we understand that looking in hindsight. But you know, those those words still resonate today. That we, even as believers, can still kill the author of life by not letting him do what he needs to do in ours. We can actually kill the author of life by running from him. We can kill the author of life by turning away from him, by not trusting in him. In other words, he's authoring our life. He's doing something with our life, but the moment we cut him off, it's like we've just killed the author of life and coming into ours. I want to encourage us all, wherever we are in life, whatever it looks like, call out to him, even when it's messy. Even when it's messy. I've had the mentality before that I would say, yeah, but when my life becomes better, when, my get, when I get my act together, then I'll follow God. And it's like God saying, no, 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 no. You're not going to get your act together. You don't need to get your act together. I am the author of your life. So whatever mess you're in, whatever it looks like, I take you just as you are, mess and all, because I'm able to now work together all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. We just have to call upon him, even when it's messy. As dark as it may be, we call upon him. And because of what Jesus has done for us, we are free from the messes that come with trying to live a life of perfection. Romans 8, 2 tells us, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Listen, if you're trying to live a life to perfection and you're trying to be good instead of worship the one who is good and to, for him to bring goodness through you and you're trying to do good deeds to earn his favor, not going to work. We tried that. Been there, done that. No. What's better is to follow the one who is good and then because of his goodness in us, we want to do good, not for good deeds' sake, but to represent him well. But we got to call upon, upon him. we got to call out to him, even when it's messy, as dark as it may seem. And then here's the last thing. You let God speak into our mess. Let him speak into your mess. Whatever mess is, is in our lives, let him speak into it. Let him do what he's going to do best. Then whenever God speaks into mess, miracles take place. In fact, when my children were younger, even with my grandchildren now, when they're, when they're this young, whenever they go outside to play, like I like when they go outside and play. I'm okay that they, they got to get dirty. They got to build up their immune system. Yeah, go play in the river. Go, go play in that water right there going down the road. Yeah, play in that. Yeah, get coquilles all over your legs. Go, yeah, yeah, play in the water. Play in the rain. Go play in the mud. Have fun, but you better make sure you bathe after. Now, if you have an open cut, that's different, but no, you can play. Go get messy outside. Go play outside. 
But when they would come in, now I have to give them instruction. Now I have to say to my children or grandchildren, okay, when you go in the, when you bathe, there's some dirt behind your ears. There's some mud on the back of your neck from when your brother threw it on you. Make sure you clean that good. Wash your feet good. Bathe good. And we give them specific instruction. Why? Because there are certain messes that they may not see. Some of our kids, they just go in and get wet and then come out. It's like, no, 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 no. Let me smell your head. That's what we say. Let me smell your head. It's like, oh, get back in there. Get back in there. Why? Because they're still messy. Like, we got to speak into their life so that they know what to clean. It's the same thing with their playroom. When I go into their playroom and I say, okay, we need to clean up. We, we sing this song and they learn this in school, I think. Clean up, clean up. Is that how it goes? Everybody, everywhere. Yeah, see, you know the song too. Yeah, you probably have children and grandchildren. Yeah, you, you sing the song and, and it's like a happy mood. Yay, we're cleaning up. And so we, we're cleaning up, but we have puzzle pieces that we got to clean up, army men that we got to clean up. And the rule in my home is you don't play with another toy unless you clean up the first one. Otherwise, it's just chaos at the end of the day. And it still happens that way. But we give them instruction. Okay, this goes here, this goes here. And now we give them the responsibility of partnering together to clean up together so that they learn and grow and mature. And the same thing is with God. You let him speak into the messes that we're in. Oh boy, he he begins to mature us. He begins to teach us and, and, and show us what it means to be a man of God, a, a woman of God, a husband, a wife that follows after God, a child of God, a, a student in school who represents God well. He, he, he does that so that we can partner with him so that as he speaks into our life, we now grow up in him, that we become spiritually mature so that when people see us, they see Jesus. That's the whole point of letting God speak into our lives, whatever mess we may be in. Let God speak into it, and he'll do something magnificent with something that looks messy. He's just that good. Remember when God spoke in the beginning? Now, the, the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, which means beginning, it starts off in this way. It's in your notes. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In fact, let's read this together, okay? Loud and clear. Ready, go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now you know what is interesting is sometimes we'll read this and we'll say, oh yeah, God spoke and then there was light. It was dark, and then God spoke, and there was light. But here's something that I want us to catch, if you want to underline this. When life is messy, God is still there. When it was dark and chaotic, and and darkness was over the surface of the deep, sometimes it feels like God's not there. But where was God when when, when, when the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep? Where was the Spirit of God? Yeah, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In other words, He's there. But sometimes we're looking into the darkness rather than into God, and we don't see God because he's hovering right above the surface of the waters. Whatever life looks like, whatever waters that represents, it, it could be our marriage, our family. It could be a situation we're in, or, or maybe we're, we're, we're just so stressed out that we're so focused on the darkness and the chaos, and God is above the surface of the waters. Here's what God does really well. Whatever darkness we're in, whatever difficult time we're in, 
He says, you, you focus on me because I'm hovering over the surface of the junk, the dark, the chaos. And when you look to me, so will you hover just above all the darkness and the chaos. In other words, God lifts us up, not necessarily throw all this away. Why? Because there's something to be learned here. He's teaching us. So whenever we encounter any type of chaotic, dark situation, first thing we ask is, God, speak into my life. Speak to me, Lord. What are you teaching me? Rather than, Lord, tell her. <laughs> tell her to change. Tell him to change. No, Lord, what are you teaching me? Some of us, we're so, we have like a gift of complaining. Like that's our top gift. Like we can complain. We, we see something, we can complain. We can gather others together and complain together. We have a complaining committee. We can have a a committee that says, we all feel this. Therefore, you're wrong. And God is saying, what are you focusing on? Are you fo- focusing on the, on the chaos, the darkness, or are you focusing on me? He says, focus on him. Why? So that he can speak into our lives. And whenever we let God speak into our lives, there will be light. And the benefits of letting God speak into our lives is that when he speaks into our life, his breath of life comes with it. Yeah, when God first created us, when he created man, his breath of life was needed in order for man to become a living being. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. In other words, dirt. That's what God formed us from, the dirt of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Yeah, we're... Man was formed from dirt. Now, I'm sorry to say it this way, but we've said this before, okay? So it's not nothing brand new. When a man would do something bad, people would say, men are just dirt. They're just dirt. It's actually true. We're made from dirt. But here's the good news. Don't stop there, okay, before you leave church. Oh, the pastor and call all men dirt. No, no. We were created from dirt, but not until God breathed his breath of life into us did we become a living being And now we're no longer just dirt. We're now a living being who is useful for the king. But unless God speaks into our life, we stay messy, we stay in the dirt, we stay in the chaos and in the darkness. So therefore, let God speak into whatever it is that we go through so that the breath of life can be given to us. Sometimes we just feel dead, we don't feel energetic. Let God speak into your life. Let him speak and watch what he does. You know the sign, the sign of life is movement. And whenever God speaks into our life, there's going to be movement that takes place. It's not just God speaking into our life and then that's it. No, there's going to be something that happens. That when he speaks into our life, there's going to be movement in our marriages, in our families. That's why we're having this marriage conference in February so that God can speak into our marriages, so that our marriages move, so that it's living, not just existing. Because whenever God speaks, his breath of life is given at the same time. I love how 2 Corinthians 5.15 tells it, that he died for all, that those who lived should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is speaking of Jesus, that we no longer live for self, but that we live for him. Why? Because life is messy. Change is messy. But God can turn our mess into a miracle. We just have to call out to him wherever we are and let God speak into our life. 
Let him speak so that we can now follow his ways. And you might be thinking, yeah, I, I see what Jesus did, but you should see my life, my marriage, my, my family, or my relationships, my finances, my job, my home. I'll need a new life to find any hope. Well, that's what God is good at. He's good at giving us a brand new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And let's read this together. Ready? Go. The old has gone. The new is here. I want to encourage all of us that in this year of change that God wants to do something, it's going to be messy. But it's okay. So long as we look to God, let him speak into our lives. Let him do what he does best. That whenever change comes in and it's messy, he can turn a mess into a miracle. We just inaugurated our president on the 20th, last week Friday. And if you listen to his speech, there's both sides. Some are saying, oh my goodness, why did he say that? Then there are some who say, oh, we got to get to work. Then you have some who are on this side who are saying, you know, this is the worst mistake in the history of mankind. And then you have this side who are saying, this is what we need in our country. So you're going to have those two sides. And you're going to have that even as believers. Might I remind us? We elected a president who, just like us, is a fallen creature. That's why as believers, we always look to our God first and foremost. Always. And then we follow the Bible that says you pray for your leaders so instead of complaining and wasting time because that's not going to do anything, pray more than we complain. We're believers. We're the church of Christ. We're the ones who bring change into this world. We're the ones who Christ said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's the church. We're the ones to rise up. You don't need a political uh, position. You're already positioned as royal priesthood. How much higher of a standard do you want? God calls us royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. He's already appointed you. You have the position. You have a king. Therefore, do what he's called us to do. And although change is messy, we know that God is good. And we know that even in our country, even if, and we know it'll get messy. We know that God's people can rise above that, be above the surface of the waters, and be with God and bring hope to people where they feel hopelessness. It'll always be through Christ. Always has. Always will be. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the adventures of God's great change. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to ask Glenn to come to the keyboard. Let's pray to our God who loves us dearly. Heavenly Father, we thank you first of all for being the kind of God that that even when there's mess, you still show up. Even when life is messy, you're still there. Even when it's dark, you shine light. And so this morning, as we pray to you, we ask you for wisdom as husbands. We ask you for wisdom as children of God. We pray for wisdom for the women, the wives, the husbands, and the men. We pray for godly wisdom. I pray for those who are single, and maybe right now they're their, their focus is on you. Maybe there's a relationship that they're in or, or maybe they've just come out of a relationship, whatever it would be. I pray, Lord, that you would show them their potential. For those who are maybe teenagers or younger, 
that you would show them their value, that their value is not in what they do, their value is not in what they have, but their value is in who you are, and that their value never changes because of you. You add value to them. And so I pray for all of us that as we leave here today, and although change will be messy, we will remember that you work all things together for good to those who love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. I pray especially for those who are far from you. Maybe they've never received you as Lord and Savior. I pray right now that as they feel that tug on their heart, that they would remember that that tug on their heart is you and your spirit calling them closer to you. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've never received Jesus, we're going to say a prayer together. And, and as you repeat after me, you just include the heart. And as we all say this together, even if you've prayed this a thousand times, let this be a reminder that we can always call upon the Lord, even when things are going well, just because we love him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave. I believe in you. I put my life in your hands and I trust you. Be my Lord and my Savior. Especially when life is messy. I pray this in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and you received Jesus, would you just lift a hand real briefly? I just want to pray over you and ask for God's blessing. Yeah, if you said yes to Jesus this morning, just lift a hand. Yeah, yeah be bold with it. Let God know. Yeah, okay. Anybody else? Okay, God sees you. Okay. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for these that said yes to you. And I pray that as your spirit awakens their spirit, that they would come alive and live for you, knowing that the purposes you have for them are greater than the ones they have for, their, for themselves. And we thank you once again for being our God. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said together, amen.